0: Hello and welcome to the BLINK podcast. This is your host Nikita Anvergis and today we're going to talk about mental health. So mental health has become one of the most talked about issues during the pandemic. In today's episode, we have Kamna Chibur, clinical psychologist and head of mental health at Fortis Healthcare. Kamna has also co-authored the book, Alone in the Crowd, Overcoming Loneliness of Urban Living, which has timely tips on navigating the problems we face with mental health today. So let's dive in. Hi Kamna, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us. Uh, Before we dive into the heavy questions, I would first like to know what exactly led you to write this book? Hi Nikita, thank you so much for having me
1: here with you today. It's a pleasure to join you on the platform and to be talking about this book, um, Uh, Alone in the Crowd, which is about urban loneliness and how is it that you can overcome it. Um, in fact, you know, if we try and uh, if, if we try and suss out why was it that we started writing about this book or thinking to write about this book, this actually started way before the pandemic as well. In fact, mm-hmm. um, in the recent years, even prior to the pandemic, there were numerous situations in which young people in particular would come to us, uh, you know, in our uh, sessions in our OPDs and would talk about the fact that, you know, they have so many connections, but they don't really feel connected with people that there is this state of loneliness that they tend to experience within their relationships. Uh, A lot of times they find it hard to be able to communicate about what is truly going on within their lives. And they also struggle to be able to feel that they would be able to gather the right kind of support in order to cope with the situations that they're having. And this was a narrative which was constantly coming towards us and That is when we started talking about, you know, writing about loneliness, and we were discussing this with Rupa, our publishers, and uh, they were very much on board with the idea, and at that time, the pandemic also came in, and um, of course, during that period of time, the experience of loneliness just escalated. Individuals who never had any difficulties in taking care of their mental health, their well-being, were finding themselves also struggling to cope with the ways in which they had to go into their homes and be there and not be able to meet people, not be able to connect with people. um, for a lot of individuals, suddenly there was this realization that I don't even know my neighbors. And uh, the kind of intense loneliness that you experienced because your primary social network was either in your workplaces or in spaces which you were living far away from, it started highlighting that, you know, maybe, loneliness is one significant experience that a much larger segment of the population is having and so these factors kind of like you know came together for us and uh, resulted in the book and we have tried to talk about various different aspects of loneliness what it is how it looks like how it manifests what you can do during throughout the book yeah
0: 100 percent I also wanted to know I mean you talked about um, you know how loneliness has grown during the pandemic. I just wanted to know, why do you think this sense of loneliness or alienation has grown for us? What what are the factors involved? I think a
1: lot of different things uh, ended up happening if you're looking at specifically the pandemic. Uh, One of the primary things that has happened is that mostly for people who are in urban settings, your social network has become more about the workplace because you Mm -hmm. spend extensive hours in those workplaces. And uh, for most people, the connectedness happens over there. Uh, A lot of people, in fact, also move cities because of their work and so lose contact with a lot of those friendships, relationships, even family members with with whom they actually grew up. And uh, as a result, uh, what ends up happening is that you don't necessarily have the kind of support systems around you, and which is what got highlighted during the pandemic for a lot of people, that they may have built very good relationships, say, at work, uh, through work. Uh, They may have had some good friendships as well, but not necessarily in the neighborhoods where they were staying. For a lot of people, they did not really know who were their neighbors who were staying behind them, on the floor below them, on the floor above them. Uh, Even when they needed certain basic help, they had to figure out, how do I connect? with those around me. Um, and I think the second aspect was that uh, the kind of emotion that we've had in our life with work uh, and the kind of emotion that has happened even in social media in a way, on the gadgets, on the platform, somewhere there has been a strong shift which has happened from necessarily meeting people in person and picking up the phone and talking to being connecting connecting with them more over say a text message. Um, or looking at you know okay what is going on with them in their life over say you know Facebook or an Instagram and you exchange a few messages over there and that's it and that conversation is done and you go back into your life and then during the pandemic you realize that that was not sufficient to lead that kind of a wholesome life because you required a lot more when suddenly you did not have those in-person interactions and everything shifted onto that virtual mode all your work engagements were online Everything needed to be done online. You just found yourself desiring and really desperately wanting to have those one-on-one connections, conversations, interactions, realizing the value that they really hold and the dearth of them around us in our closest spaces. And this was particularly true for people who were probably living alone and far away from their families, uh, especially because for them, that kind of support system became really missing as a result. And uh, I think what also happened additionally was that there were a lot of people who also then moved back, you know, to their hometown. So for other people, there was a dwindling of that social support system in a very strong way. And we thought initially that the lockdown is for a few days, it became a few weeks, and it kept increasing. And there was this growing unpredictability around when will it end? Is it going to end? Is there going to be a change? Is this going to be the new normal? And I think that created a lot of anxiety, a lot of panic. And it was um, increasing these feelings of how am I going to deal with this? And how do I manage this feeling of being alone all the time? And can I really do this on my own? So I think a lot of those questions started coming up because there was this uncertainty and ambiguity around how things will change and when will they change, which really created
0: a lot of struggle for people in general. Right. Are we? I mean, right now we're talking in the urban context, right? So, according to you, is this an urban phenomenon or do you think it has manifested everywhere?
1: I think broadly, if we were to look at it, loneliness seems to be something which is far more pervasive within urban settings. Uh, if you look at how life is lived within the urban and the rural areas or metros And even say the smaller cities and townships you realize that the kind of connectedness and the focus on relationships is very different. Um, if the, the nuclear, nuclear, I'll say that again. The nuclearization of families is something which has become uh, very more, much more prominent in uh, the metropolitan cities, we have seen that the family systems have kind of shrunk in a way. But when you start going towards the smaller towns, smaller cities, towards the rural areas, you still see a very strong community connect. People come together, people gather together when there is something good, something difficult, which is happening in an individual's life. There are multiple people who are there who will gather together as a community and come in support of each other because they know each other. And there are ties which are going down to generations, and those ties have been fostered and nurtured and built up over the years. And in contrast, when you look at the urban areas, a lot of uh, the people who are in urban areas may often be also first generation um, individuals who, who come into those new cities, who don't necessarily have those kind of roots or ties within the communities. People have moved cities as well for work, they move countries for work as well. And so you don't have that kind of grounding, which is available. The strength of those bonds isn't the same. Um, And somehow those differences um, have really contributed to the fact that, you know, somewhere loneliness seems to be far more pervasive within the urban setting than it is in rural India, if you were to look at it.
0: Mm -hmm. I think uh, another reason could be, you know, the fact that uh, in rural areas, you don't really have many gadgets and you don't really have the concept of social media as much. Right. So, you know, you were talking about gadgets and social media, and that is something that's really come into sharp focus in today's world. And, you know, we have apps and even marketing campaigns by phone companies that tell us to switch off. Uh, But I think for many of us, uh, including me, scrolling through our Instagram feeds is usually the first thing we do you know, when we wake up. So it's come to a point where we feel lost without our smartphones around, right? Um, so could you just share some tips maybe on, you know, how to switch off? How, how do we switch off? You yeah, know, In fact, uh,
1: di- taking doing a digital detox, taking a break from phones and gadgets is something that we've been emphasizing for years. Uh, it started when we were work- doing a lot of workshops with young children and we would talk about media literacy and increasingly we realized that it's not just the children, it's the adults also who are, so stuck to their phones, to their devices, to their uh, social media platforms, that it is a skill, literally, which needs to be worked upon by each and every individual. And uh, the reason we keep labeling it as a skill is because it is something that you can do something very concretely about. There are some uh, basic steps that you can take in order to keep on ensuring that um, you control your social media usage. Social media is not dictating how much time you're spending on it. And I think one of the first things that we need to start really doing is beginning to slow down the pace at which we are consuming the content that we are and allowing ourselves to really question that, you know, what am I trying to really accomplish through my engagement with this particular platform? You need to have a specific goal in mind. The reason why things like doom scrolling come up is because you're not going in with a thought process about what do you want to take out of that time that you're going to spend on that gadget. So you need to develop a greater clarity around what do I want when I will be spending 15 minutes, half an hour, one hour, five hours on that platform. Once you have that goal accomplished, you need to move away. Switching off can be difficult because the way media content is created is it is very, very engaging because it stimulates your brain cells. You know, your your brain cells are completely firing at that time because there's so much uh, happening in that content. It will engage you. So you need to be able to remind yourself of the time that you want to put to it. And you have to start creating different ways to be able to switch off. For a lot of people, uh, there are different there are apps for these apps to be able to switch off, uh, which act as reminders in a way to be able to uh, remind you that, you know, if you've spent enough time on it. You now need to shut this. You need to get off this app you need to start becoming more informed of how much time are you spending. If you don't even have that information, you will not be able to even remind yourself that I need to switch off because I have already spent so much time on it. So that is one other aspect. And the third part is that I believe that one of the reasons we're spending so much time on these gadgets is because we also don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. So you need to start thinking of what is it that would add more value to your life, more meaning to your life, so that you can invest some time in that direction. So if you are not cultivating hobbies, if you're not cultivating your interests, you will struggle to get off the gadgets because you won't do, you won't know what to do with your time. So it's very crucial that you also take a more mindful approach to figuring out what are the other things that I would like to focus on those areas of interest would then be more attractive to you and you would not even feel the kind of desire to spend extensive time on some of the platforms. You will utilize it for a certain purpose. Once you're done with it, you will shift your attention because you know there is something else attractive which is there for you and you would engage with that. And fourthly, you need to start valuing the relationships in real life far more than on the virtual platforms, right? It is important to pick up that phone and give someone a call. It is important to stop using texts as ways of communicating, as the primary mechanism of communicating as well. It's so important to be able to call up someone and ask them how the day was, what they're doing, what they're looking forward to, instead of just trying to figure it out on the basis of what you see is coming up on on, on, on their wall or on the pictures that they're sharing, the posts, whatever mechanism on the tweets. Don't use that as a way of informing yourself about what's going on with the individual find a way to connect with them more directly and you see that it will also start shaping your relationships in a much better way helping you even tackle the loneliness in a much better way
0: yeah i think the last point you made really resonated with me because the most uh, conversations I've had with my best friends they're all like Instagram replies like I see their story and you know I just reply to that Instagram and I think you know this is something that even I've noticed um and digital detoxes I think that's something that you've mentioned and that's something that I've done I've actually gone on a one month long digital detox and it, it felt amazing it felt really great but you know I feel like recently especially now that you know we're working from office it's it's very difficult to kind of you know just um go on a digital detox, because especially, you know, when you have work communication on WhatsApp, Mm -hmm. you can't just uninstall WhatsApp. When you've got, um, you know, colleagues on Instagram, um, you know, and they're sending you reels that, you know, they think, oh, yeah, you know, you should try this for our brand. You know, it's it's really difficult to kind of just uninstall these apps, right? So what do you think about digital detoxes? Do you think it's possible right now? Yeah, I think uh, we need to also understand that we have to start
1: Fitting approaches to our needs and those needs are going to vary um we don't have to necessarily look at detox as an all-or-none kind of phenomena so it does not mean that you need to completely remove an app but you can certainly control the amount of time that you spend on it or you can make a more effective choice in saying that if i need a certain piece of information for you know through the course of the working day because it does play a very pivotal role in the work that I'm doing, then of course you need to be on it. But what about post-work? The challenge is that we are not just spending time utilizing it for work-related purposes. We're also spending time post-work. And instead of looking at what else can I do for myself or within the context of my relationships, we end up spending more time on the, on the apps or on the gadgets. And we don't take that break that we all need to be also able to refresh and rejuvenate our own selves. So the detox can also happen, it can happen on the weekend, it can happen at night time. We feel that we will lose out on something really precious. But the fact is that even if you will switch off for a few hours or say on a weekend, the world will not change, it will stay the same. You will still have access to that same information. Um, I know everyone believes that you know, the news cycle is changing so fast that you cannot allow yourself to uh, miss out on anything fact is that you really would not end up missing out on anything because someone or the other is going to be talking about it even six hours down the line perhaps even 48 hours down the line so you will get that piece of information so it's also our own anxiety about missing out on things which does not allow us to switch off and to do it it's about going ahead making that choice seeing how it works for you modifying it To ensure that it is working for you well and effectively, you don't need to look at what anyone else is doing. Figure out your own way, but make sure you do it because you need to prioritize your own self. If you are not going to take care of yourself, you will find that, you know, it will compromise your state of well-being, which will impact your productivity, which will impact your work, your relationships, everything that you're actually wanting to take care of. So it is so counterproductive to not prioritize this aspect um, and to feel that, you know, uh, just being constantly wired into information will actually make you feel good. It's it's completely counterproductive. So you need to bring about a change by becoming a little more self-aware of what would or would not work for you.
0: Yeah I think now that you speak about productivity I am I'm the kind of person who really enjoys self help so I watch a lot of these self help gurus talk about the first thing you do when you wake up it should not be touch your phone you should keep your phone far away from you you should meditate and you know journal and do things like that so I think that's definitely something when you if you want to think about productivity that's definitely something that we all need to think about Um, During the two years of the pandemic, you know, especially when it comes to working, we all got used to working from home, Mm. you know, and now that many organizations, um, you know, they're starting to starting to bring in work from office and they're facing a lot of resistance from employees you know and that's really weird because one would have imagined that uh, people would be welcoming physical contact and yet we see a lot of resistance to social situations today be it in the workplace or be it even you know friendly gatherings so why has human behavior changed so radically Hard to
1: answer it in very concrete terms to say this is the specific reason, but I would say that it's a combination of the comfort that has developed in a way from work from home. It's also the realization that work can happen from home. Thirdly, you also suddenly realize you're saving a lot of time and effort and energy because you do end up feeling very drained and exhausted when you have to travel, say, an hour or two hours, one way to get to your office space then engage with the work for the eight or 10 hours that you have to then travel back and then have to take care of everything at home. So somewhere I think our minds have registered that there is an, a more optimal way of utilizing the time that we do have. And which is what I think is making people gravitate towards wanting more hybrid models intakes so where they can have an optional work from home available to them, which would not compromise on the quality of the work, Uh, I think people do seek very actively social engagements. We're seeing it everywhere around us. Uh, Something which also worries us within the healthcare uh, space as well, because we do feel that somewhere it's everyone just suddenly lowers their guards. And that's when the next wave comes up and, uh, you know, the safety behaviors, the protocols that need to be in place get ignored. Uh, So we're seeing that people are very actively seeking that contact, connect, wanting to meet, wanting to engage. But maybe what they also want is some sort of a balance in place, a different way of being able to do things because they have seen that it has worked. And for two whole years, organizations did not necessarily experience any sort of a setback because people were not coming to the workspace. And you know, uh, if organizations are seeing it, so are the people who are working within the organization. So they raise that question that, can that not continue? So it's about having that option, we like to have options, we like to have things done in ways which we find comfortable and convenient and I think it's some of these aspects which are at play when it comes to that. Um, I know there are also people who um, have experienced some sort of anxiousness in going back into social settings because they've also gotten used to limiting those interactions. Um, and uh, that probably also is contributing to some of this as well. Maybe a small percentage of people would be experiencing that. For that piece, I would say that it's important to remind yourself that once you will start going back into the social settings, you would see that um, you're able to readapt and re-engage in ways that you were previously used to as well. It's about you know going back into that same cycle and you will be able to integrate yourself just the way mm-hmm. we were able to accommodate the change of working from home, we can reaccommodate the change of going back into the workspace as well. So whatever are the initial apprehensions, if you put them on the side and you push yourself a little extra, if you're having some anxiousness about social settings, you'll see you'll be able to recover from that in a good enough way.
0: Yeah, I think uh, a lot of us humans are resistant to change. So when we're too used to doing something, especially if it's being done for years, you know, we're a little, okay, yeah, no, can we just continue it like this? Um, Thank you so much for your insights. Uh, I think with that, we'd like to draw this conversation to a close. I really appreciate you for coming and talking to us about your book. Um, Thank you so much. Have a really nice day. Thank you. It was a real pleasure being here, Nikita. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm just going to stop the recording now.